0: Hallo and welcome to System Mastery. Pray tarry, good sirs, as I hasten forth to elucidate you all, upon a tale most o'erwrought. Tis a tome stuffed like the king's Christmas pheasant, had he entreated his cuisinier to craft a bird brought to the brink with weapon charts and thoughts religious. We humbly present ye Fantasy Imperium, a game twixt madness and cash grab, whereupon ye may find yourself portraying a humble farrier or a grand knight of the realm, but nary once the overly buxom angels and gypsies that dance pawns each stretch of Vallum contained therein. Fairly, it sucks. And welcome back. So, we were just talking about The Amazing Spider-Man 2. John, what were your thoughts? You know, I don't hate it as much as everyone seems to want to. I thought there were definitely some high points in there. Uh, you know, you, it's a little disjointed, obviously, a little too much in there, but I think there's a salvageable movie in there. You think? Do you think it could be like uh, Spider-Man 3 from back in the Sam Raimi days, where if you were to just judiciously cut... Everything having to do with Topher Grace Southern to be okay. Oh yeah, no, that was the main issue, is you had Green Goblin in there when you really didn't want Green Goblin in there. Did you want more rhino or less rhino? Uh I think Rhino was good. He he was uh just a nice little this is what Spider Man can do, which it's having uh, a good super villain that Spider Man can be like, I'm cool and beat up. Yeah, fair enough. I didn't care for the movie at all, but then again, I don't really like superhero movies or movies in general. No, not at all. I my primary goal with a movie is to avoid talking about Fantasy Imperium, uh, for, <laughs> if at all possible, for as long as I can get away with it. <laughs> so, uh, so this week we, we we covered a book called Fantasy Imperium, uh, and interactive storytelling game of historical fantasy. Yeah, don't you dare call it a role-playing game. This isn't an RPG. This is an ISG. Yeah, it goes right out the gate to tell you that it is an ISG, or interactive storytelling game, which is different from a role-playing game because it's... Um, Shittier? It's because it has more... uh, uh Charts? <laughs> It's because it more closely interacts with the players and their uh, dot dot dots. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh yeah, it's it's one of those low fantasy heartbreakers that I I hate. Like, oh yeah. Uh, oh my god. These oh, are Come my- on, you got to love anything where the whole game is you can be a shit farmer and everything's terrible. Yeah. Uh it it's one of those games that's like the Renaissance fair but with a bunch of charts and rules. So like an actual Renaissance fair I have to assume because yeah. I mean That's that's a gathering of humans. I have to assume that that your basic Ren is exactly as much arguing and and, uh, politics as any particular Tumblr page you were to go to. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So, anyway, um, Fantasy Imperium is... uh, Well, let's start with the cover. Yep. Okay. So, we we get right out of the gate with a cover of a come-hither lady with a sword and a rose. And a sports bra with a bunch of dangles on it. And it basically... It looks like she should be saying, like... Come play this game, my lord. Oh, yeah, she's very Ebony. You're absolutely right. She's a little too dark-skinned for the Ebony games, cause those are, those are pretty much aimed at white guys. And, <laughs> but, but, uh, she's got kind of a, a gypsy-ish cast, and she's got, uh, what, well, a peach rose and a sword. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is, this is your, uh, your first introduction to Fantasy Imperium. You, uh, there's a hot lady, and that is the best selling point of this game. It's also one of the only selling points. A lot of the art in this book is generic hot ladies. Uh, just doing hot lady kind of, like, fantasy poses. It, like, if you've ever uh been on nerd websites long enough, you'll eventually see one that's got the women doing, like, the, oh, I'm posing and I'm a Valkyrie or something like that. It, and, and it's just stupid looking and the poses are always kind of overwrought and they always have a dumb fake-looking sword or a wand or something. That's, like, I'd say 50% of the art in this book is that, which is not reflective of the game in any way. Oh, no. Uh, but the only reason that happened is because, uh, the guy who made the game, uh, Mark O'Bannon, it is, it's his woman, and he was like, yeah, I'm gonna make my, like, girlfriend, wife, whatever the hell it was, uh, be the cover of this book and all of the art because she's hot, and then when I release this book, I will parade her around in costume so that people will buy my book. Which, I, I, I hope it didn't work, because no one needs this book. And it's not like opening... If you like looking at fairly crappy drawings of women, then this is definitely the way to get them for you. <laughs> um, it's got a lot of pictures that are obviously Photoshop hack jobs of old photos. Oh, yeah. And uh a lot of... uh You can tell there's two artists. There's two very clear artists in the book. One of them does uh crosshatched Chiaroscuro pictures of shit farmers and, and knights wearing those stupid cone hats with the chain draping off them. Yeah. And the other one draws big boob elves. And the big boob elves with, with sort, with, with like buster swords and, uh, and usually at least four wings. Uh, and so, uh, sometimes they are angels, but they are always elves and they have nothing to do with the book in any way. You can't play as big boobed elven warrior women. Uh, you can play as elves, sort of, kind but, of. but they're like shipwrights and stuff. Okay. So it, it's just, it, it's clear that the art assets didn't have too much to do with the content of the book, but more just with his attempt to sell it. Yeah, that's mostly the whole thing is I think he probably realized his game had nothing going for it so he was trying to just do the whole sex sells thing. You can kind of catch a point in this book when you're reading through it where you can realize that he knows that the book isn't going to do anything good for him and so he just hurries to finish it up. Oh yeah. There's there's all these references that are that are made in the first 100 pages or so that are never mentioned again after that. You, When you first start reading it, you're like, alright, this is your standard fantasy heartbreaker. This is just gonna be like, I'm different than D&D because I do muh. And then, as you get through it, you realize, man, he must have had a deadline to get this to a publisher because he straight up abandons like half of the shit he says. Yeah, no, he absolutely does. Uh, Notably, I'd say the biggest and most obvious example is spell levels. Like, halfway through the book, you're still getting all this stuff that's like, oh, uh, a character can cast a level 1 spell, but it would require him several days of fatigue damage to cast a level 50 spell, and even then he would need to spend 5 shock or something. Then you get to the spells, and they don't have levels. Yeah, And as soon as you get through the spells, levels are never mentioned again. And it's also all the, like... It takes X amount of time to research a thing based on its spell level, and then nothing has a spell level. So there's no research time given for anything. Right. It's listed, but it doesn't really work. And, uh, I don't know. The whole thing is just... it strikes of shoddiness. Oh, yeah. We found a spell that has a listed duration of one week, and then the first sentence in the spell is, This spell lasts one month. Yep. That is is the level of professionalism that shows up in this book. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, character creation. Yep, so when you're making your character, you are going to... Well, you get all your characteristics like you would any other RPG, essentially, that has your, your stat line. Yeah, but in this of... one, you're rolling a percentile. Yeah, and it's just percentile. It's raw percentile, so it's not a very good bell curve. You end up with characters that are pretty wildly swingy. Oh, yeah. Cause you'll have things where you're like, alright, well, my strength's a 95 and my agility is a 4. So, I guess I'm fucked? I don't know. Yeah, so that, that kind of thing can definitely happen to you. Uh, also, before we get too further in, uh, one of the things I wanted to mention was from the introduction of the book right after interactive storytelling game it it gets into how the game is played and it wants you to play like little stories and not dramatic campaigns your character is supposed to have a secret hidden agenda a personal flaw and a personal difficulty so that there are kind of character beats like progression that that your character grows as if they were in a story part of the character creation is You have what's known as an inner need, which is whatever your character is attempting to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And then your character flaw, so you have to come up with something that is... Standing in the way of your inner need. Yeah, it's directly opposed to you getting whatever you want. So you could be like, like, I want to fall in love, but I don't trust women. Yeah, or I want a house, but I'm afraid of houses. Yeah, or, you know, I really want to get ahead in life, but I don't trust women. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I want to get ahead in life, but I'm Muslim. <laughs> that yeah. joke will make a lot more sense in a bit. So, that's uh, one last thing I wanted to mention from the intro was if you lose, if your character dies, you lose the game. Oh, yeah. That's actually listed. A character dying causes you to lose the game as a player. Yeah. And now that you have been thinking about the game, you have lost the game. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's there. Then you roll a bunch of percentiles and get a bunch of basic stats. And then, it's really important because we've never seen it before. This is our 33rd game or something and we've never seen this. (laughs) Variant stat line for the ladies. Oh, ladies, if you thought you were going to be the equal of a man, oh, you were sorely mistaken. You are going to be way better. Yeah, that's the craziest thing. They're 30% weaker, but then they're also 10% more agile and intuitive, and they're 25% hotter. And, if you're a lady, you get to re-roll your attractiveness stat if you don't like it the first time. Right, because they're so attractive. They're so hot. Ladies are just hot all over. Okay, I, I really want to talk about this, because this is a really dumb stereotype. This This guy seems to exist in a world where he thinks that women just go through life having to pick through various unattractive clods until they can settle on one. <laughs> no, men are also hot. Women experience attractiveness. They, they, they know when guys are attractive. It it's not. Oh, women aren't hotter. They are. They are <laughs> just. They are just hotter to you, you bullshit idiot. Uh, and it's so good. It's so fucking good. So anyway, the end result, though, of beyond this whole women are hotter and weaker thing, is that women have a net gain in terms of stats. They are better than men. Yeah. And if the you, only thing you are lower in because you're the same in everything except for dexterity and intuition and attractiveness, in which you're better. So if you're playing any type of character that doesn't care about strength like, say, someone that uses a crossbow or a magic user or whatever, then you are straight-up min-maxing to be a lady. Yeah. So there you go. This is the first game we've seen that has variant stat lines for women in it, although D&D has done them in the past, never in their core supplements. It was in, like, a Dragon magazine they had. Oh, yeah. And again, it was the same thing. Women end up coming out ahead. It's like they get minus two strength, but plus one con, plus one dex, and plus two charisma. So they end up coming out way ahead because people really want to give women various stat lines and they really want them to be weaker than men. Oh yeah, the whole point is, look, ladies aren't as strong as men. Yeah. Come on now. But we're going to throw some other stuff at them so that they don't feel as bad about the fact that they're not as strong as us big burly authors. Yeah. That's that's always what these things end up looking like. But anyway, what do you think of it? What, what's your what's your well, general I mean, take? Obviously, when it showed up, I was like, holy shit, this makes so much sense given the art that we were just talking about. Yeah. That he's like... Ladies, you need a big, strong man, don't you? You need a dirt-clawed guy wearing that stupid kind of armor with the chain face. (laughs) Yeah, it is... It's weird, and yet again, like I said, it just sort of seems like the kind of thing I would expect in this book. Sure. That makes perfect sense. But what I was asking was, do you think that this sort of thing is a good idea? Should more games have a variant stat line for the ladies? For... The ladies? The ladies. Yeah. I think that every game should have a variant stat line and just go through. But also men should have a variant stat line. <laughs> so there's no base? There's no base. <laughs> Alright, fair enough. Yeah, everyone's just weird. And then there'll be a, occasionally just some alien shows up and he's got a base stat line. And I was like, huh. Whoa. You're <laughs> fair so enough. so average. No, I don't even know why I was asking you that. Of course women shouldn't have variant stat lines. Uh. If you want to play a big strong woman, go ahead. This all The whole thing is based on a modern conception of how men and women interact, and it's bullshit. Yep. So, there you go. Don't do that, fucking stupid Mark S. O. Bannon. We don't like you. Yeah, and so uh, the other wonderful thing is, so you get your dumb characteristics, and it's weird if you're a lady, and then you also have your skill points, which is, again, percentile-based, but everyone gets 100 plus a D100, mm-hmm. so you can end up, wildly worse than other people in your party, again, by going like, oh, I rolled a 10, I have 110 skill points, and someone's like, I have 193! Which is fine. Now, the way that you spend your skill points is that you pick a profession. Ah, oh, yay. And the professions, and professions are your job class in this game. They're your uh, your fighter and wizard and so on. Except, they aren't fighter and wizard and so on. They're surf and farrier and yeah They're they straight up professions, Yeah, not... A character class. So, hope to God that you get one that includes a weapon proficiency, because yeah. most of them don't. And you will have to roll for what your social class is. Mm-hmm. So, if you rolled poor and you're like, "What are you? I'm I'm lower middle class." And it's eleven twenty one AD, so that's really lower middle class. Yeah, like I have a job that isn't essentially slavery. That makes me lower middle class. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, and then you get to these stupid ass careers, and they're things like, uh, surf, slightly better surf, house surf, which I think we all agree is the worst kind of surf. Oh, yeah, that house surf. I hate them. <laughs> so, uh, there's, there's a bunch of them, and it's funny because each one of them has a number listed after it. Uh, before it is a number that's listed that's the, uh, the social class minimum to be that. So, for example, an innkeeper has to have a social score of three. Uh, the, the number listed after that, is the amount of money they make a year? So, for example, a a jester makes twelve pounds sterling per year. Yes, this uses real money. Yeah. Well, of course it does. This is all. This also takes place in actual Europe. This is one of those games where it's oh, it's historical Europe, but there's magic.
1: Yay. Yeah. So it's and furry. It's
0: furry pirates. It, but... is, it is straight up furry pirates, except instead of the furries being tacked on, it's everything else is. Tacked yeah. Everything on. you've everything D and D has been tacked on. Uh, notably, it doesn't really get into that until very near the end of the book. Like, every picture in this is a human, or for some reason, a human with pointy elf ears, but you don't assume there's elves. And then suddenly at the back, there's elves, dwarves, centaurs, but they're all optional races. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. So you, uh, you get that, and you have to spend a bunch of points on whatever your, cause each, uh, profession comes with a list of skills that are associated with that profession. Yes. And you have to spend, like, a majority of your points on that, but it also says that you can't spend more than five on any given one skill. Yes. Because they don't want you to start the game just being amazing at anything. But what you can do is, if you roll one of the classes, or one of the uh, professions that only has a couple of skills and you have a lot of skill points, is you can purchase a second profession as well, because your character's talented. So, like, for example, if you roll Embalmer for your profession, which only has, like, seven skills then you can go, all right, well, I'm also a, uh, I don't know, criminal Yeah. something, just so I can spend some extra skill points. Because there are some that are like, it's weird. So the locksmith has fucking no profession skills. He's got like six or seven of them. But one of the ones with a super high total skills is the serving wench. Yep. A serving wench needs to obviously have skills in jeweler, knives, mythology, mathematics, locksmithing, uh, streetwise. Of course, if I'm someone that serves food in a tavern, I will need to know all of these things. Just picture Rhea Perlman on Cheers. Do you <laughs> think she was good at locksmithing? Ew, why am I... Doing that. I don't want I don't to know, picture Rhea Perlman. Now picture her doing it with Danny DeVito. Oh! Oh! Oh, oh, hey. oh hey. Hey! Hey, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, she's probably not very good at locksmithing. But the uh, you can tell exactly how many skills each one of these has because the last number on the top of the page is if you were to add er, all the skills together and then multiply that by five. Yeah. So, for example, a scholar has 20 skills exactly because they have 100 listed up there. Mm-hmm. So there are certain ones you can get where you can max them out and several where you may not be able to. For example, if you are in the Secret Service, which is one of the skills, it's the last one for some reason, yeah. a Secret Service agent has 160 potential skill points they could get. Yeah, for some reason. Well, what the hell is a Secret Service person doing an 1121 AD anyway? I don't even understand what that Service is Secret... Four. Like, are they trying to say you are, like, walking around behind the king, like, with an earpiece? Yeah, a little dangly. Take a crossbow like, bolt for him? Mirrored sunglasses? <laughs> I think it's supposed to be like Assassin's Creed stuff. Like, you're a Templar or an assassin, and you spend time trying to ass- assassinate the Medici family. Yeah, but it doesn't actually say that, so no, but, I, I'm gonna go ahead and assume that you are part of the Secret Service. But that that's just my first guess. Okay, so then it gives you the list of what all the skills do, all of which are one little sentence. So like skiing, the ability to ski. Oh yeah, physician, medical practice. One of them uh, is sensuality, and that is the ability to sexually satisfy another person. I think <laughs> it might actually say a person of the opposite sex too. I, I don't want to. No, say... no, it's it's to sexually please another person. Okay, yeah, to sexually please another person. I, I, I thought that was kind of funny. I went back through to check which classes have that. Like you know, can farmers sexually please other people and so on? No, only courtesans. The only people in the world of medieval Europe that are any good at fuckifying are uh prostitutes. Everyone else is bargain basement at best. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ain't nobody know how to use they dick. Yeah. Also, I I just for fun, I was looking up what courtesans are all about in this game, and there's a section where it gives you the stats on hiring them, and they are priced out based on their attractiveness percentage. Yeah. Pretty fun. Uh... So you can get you can get five hundred one pound hookers or one five hundred pound hooker. <laughs> Yeah, and then uh you also have your forbidden skills, which are all the magic ones, because and, magic in this game is straight up not allowed. Yeah, it's forbidden, it, because holy gosh, is this game ever religious. Yeah, so right from the start, you know it's going to get into that, because in addition to the, hey, you're going to be in an ISG, and you should have an inner need and a shenanigans and a character flaw, one of the things you're going to figure out is your ability to do spiritual warfare. Which, oh my god, spiritual warfare, right off the bat, is one of those terms you only hear at Bible camp. Oh yeah, this is straight up like, I'm going to put on my armor of Jesus and fight the sinners, and you're like, oh, why? Oh my gosh, did you write this book in conversion therapy? <laughs> so the whole thing has constant uh, references to God and mostly Christianity and how anything that isn't Christian is evil. Yeah. Let's, let's skip to the back real quick. As long as we're talking about this, let's skip to the back real quick and go to the bibliography section. Just, just read what you were telling me about earlier. So in the bibliography, it's got a whole bunch of different things under all of his various headings for like, I use these books to research. Mwah. And under Islam, it has Islam and terrorism, Islam unveiled, why I am not a Muslim. And you're just like, ah. Uh, Whoa. All right then. Then meanwhile there's another section where the only re- reference is the Bible, I'm sure. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> yeah, Christianity, the Bible. The only book you'll ever need. <laughs> the good word. <laughs> so so yeah, this this book is the most religious book I've ever read and I've read the Bible. It's it is weird. Like I understand that he was going for like actual medieval Europe and he wanted it to be like, yeah, if you practice magic, it's witchcraft. And we frown upon that here in medieval Europe. Yeah, okay, I read a portion of this on a long car drive the other day, and I happened to get to the religious section, and I thought I was losing my mind or falling asleep on the road, because there's three pages at the beginning of the religious section that's just like, what powers do do, uh, enemies of the fallen angels use? Uh, The fallen angels use the powers of hate, despair, thoughtlessness, cruelty. And with their powers combined, and then I am Captain Islam. Yeah. Enemy er, enemies of the fallen angels use the powers of hope, trustworthiness, loyalty, bravery. None of this does anything. It's it's literally just some Sunday school for you. Yep. Yeah, no, there's a lot of like you need to have your piety in case someone tempts you away from the path of righteousness, and you're like. Well, did, that, did that have a mechanical thing? No, I was just letting you, the reader, know yeah. that you should stay on the path of righteousness. This book has something like four different stats your character has that are just religious stuff. Faith and piety are two different stats. Yeah, because you can be faithful, but you really need to be pious as well if you want God to start answering those prayers. Yes, there's also an ongoing running chance for divine intervention, which is one of your stats, and you have spiritual armor. Yep. So, the... The whole, uh, piety thing is really amusing to me because it affects your ability to get your divine intervention percentage. And divine intervention normally in a game ends up being like a ridiculously high level cleric spell. Or it's a 1% chance to not die sometimes. Like or a, yeah. Yeah. The, a lot of games have that role. Remember we did one of them earlier where we yeah. had like the god role too. Oh, it was uh, Cinnabar. Cinnabar had a base 1% chance for your god to go, no, you don't die. Yeah. No, there's there's always the chance in some games where they'll make it either Divine Intervention is like a once per session or per game thing, a a good thing will happen or bad shit won't happen. Or it's a ninth level spell. That Or it's straight up a mechanical thing. It's an equivalent of Wish, usually. This is just, hey, every time you pray, there is a percentage chance that God will answer it, which is awesome because it boils it down to if God didn't answer your prayer, it's because you didn't... Uh, have enough faith slash piety. Or enough, uh, uh, points added to your divine intervention role. Because every time you do a specific prayer thing, and it has them listed like, you know, station of the cross, Hail Mary's, our fathers, uh, making a sacrament, uh, eating, eating the, uh, what do you call that when you eat the wafers and so on? Is that? (laughs) Doing communion? Thank you, doing communion. One of us had a religious upbringing. You can kind of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then it also has like, you can get bonus points if you, uh, call for the intercession on your behalf of certain saints. Yeah, but each one of these is adding a cumulative percentage chance to your Divine Intervention score. Then, when you pray, you roll on your Divine Intervention score and see what you get. So, for example, there's, there's a penalty applied based on how hard the thing for... Well, it would, it would all be easy for Mighty God, but how stupid the thing you're asking for is yeah it's how how hard is it to convince god to actually do yes. this dumb so thing so for example you want. there's a plus 25% chance if you just want to find your true love ah Aww. Aww. but if you just want someone to die that's minus 150% don't worry about it though because you can get way over 150% just spend a bunch of time praying and the next time or praying to god for no good reason and then later pray for him for your friend to die and uh then he will yeah no it's uh You're like, look, I went home, I did about 50 Hail Marys and 20 Our Fathers, Mm -hmm. and I asked for the intercession on behalf of my prayer from the Virgin Mary, and now you're going to get smote so hard. And you're like, nah, because that's a really hard thing to do. And you're like, oh, shut up, buddy, because I sacrificed so much fat of the lamb or whatever. (laughs) You have no idea. Yeah. it. (sighs) Boiling down the the one true God into a percentage chance to do your dirty work is kind of amazing. <laughs> it's so weird. Like it almost feels like as much as this guy was super into the religion of it, that he went way too far and hit blasphemy. Yeah, no, that definitely is. <laughs> because you see how God just has a base chance to help you or not. Oh yeah. And the weird thing is it's harder for him to like do things that would actually be good. So like, the ones at the very start are like, oh, I want to find my true love. I'll get a bonus to it. Or like, I want a couple dollars. Alright, well that's not too hard. But if you go into like I need help against a fallen angel. It's like, oh, dude, that's a minus 112%. Yeah. Why would he ever help you against a demon? Those are really complicated for him. He hates those. They remind him of him screwing up earlier. Yeah, he's going to have to, like, put on some sandals, get yeah. out of bed. Oh, he hates that. Turn off the house. He always forgets to turn off the house lights. <laughs> um, okay, this whole thing made me, because, I, like I said, I read this a couple days ago. Uh, right after that, I, I got a Facebook post from a distant family member. There was one of those, please, please pray for, like, my, my mom. Cause she had been in a minor car accident. And they were like, uh, the Lord saw fit to have her going slowly in a, in a safe neighborhood and hit a pole instead of a person. But then, uh, but then her airbag didn't deploy. But then the Lord saw fit to make sure that her injury was only a minor sternal fracture. <laughs> and I was like, okay, how come every time a good thing happens, you started with the Lord saw fit? How come the Lord didn't see fit to deploy the airbag? <laughs> Or you know to have her? Why did he see? Well, oh, yeah. you see, the De- okay. Deploy an airbag is minus seventy five percent. Exactly. I saw the whole thing in these chance things because I just read this book. I was like, oh, well, that makes perfect sense. She did a bunch of praying beforehand, and the Lord saw fit to keep her from dying, but also yes, to have her black out while driving. Oh yeah. Well, obviously she uh she hit the pole because that was a fate chance that went off. Yeah. And uh oh, fate. Did you find? Did you ever find the fate table? No, I could not find it. It's again one of those things in this book. It mentions you have like. Fate points And you'll have a number of fate points And every time a major event happens That's a fate point And then it doesn't go on To describe what the actual table is Or anything in the book Yeah, there's no table There's no fate table in there Your character starts with a D6 fate Yeah, And these are points of of fate that might happen to you And there's all these references to various types of fates That might occur to you on this page about fate It's like, some of these fates might be beneficial Most of them are not because you live in shit Europe. Um. Yeah. Probably your fate is get bitten by something yeah. and have it be infected. Your last fate is to die. You're, the, when you only have one fate point left, if you roll fate, if fate occurs and it's like a 5% chance per year that fate happens to you, and you only have one fate left, then your fate comes up as die. Yeah. Because, because that is everyone's final fate. That's everyone's final fate. So, then, then it has a couple ways that you can gain and lose fate, but they're very arbitrary. Uh, the first one is just your storyteller may determine to give you some fate or take fate away. Oh yeah, and it's it's no, like, it doesn't even say, it's an arbitrary thing, but it doesn't say, like, he might give it to you if you're good, or he might, if you prove yourself valiant or righteous, give you more fate or take away fate or whatever. Well yeah, and then the next thing is, whenever you are the target of, or the caster of, black magic, you gain a point of fate. Which just... Is great because it means that the black magic users are straight up going to live forever. No, they're not. Because death is still something on the fate chart. You'll still eventually roll death. <laughs> if you have 18 fate and you roll on fate, you can still just die. Because it's just one of the things. It's just, oh, yeah. like, On your last fate, you, you don't roll. So, I don't... Okay, but... And then there's no chart. There's no chart. So there's this whole section of fate point stuff that does nothing. It's it like is It is straight up like the spell levels and everything else in this book where you just he had an idea for a system and apparently ran out of time to put it into place. Well, yeah, the, the whole system was already flawed because there's like a 1 in 100 chance that your character just dies like on day 1. Oh, yeah. Because you'll be like, oh, I rolled a 1 on my D6 for how many fate points I have. Okay, now everyone roll 5% to see if your fate occurs to you sometime today. Okay, I rolled a, a, a 5%. Oh, great. You only have one fate point. You die. Yeah. Roll another character. And that... Yeah, anytime you've got a game where it's like, all right, we started the game you lost. And I do mean that you lost the game. Yeah, this one actually says that if you die you lose the game. You didn't you didn't participate in the game and get to make another character or something, you lose. Yeah. Sir, good day. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you've got that and you've got uh so okay, other skills you've got aside from the magic are your fighting skills. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and the basic uh, way that you get a skill roll in this game, like for example, if you want to uh, make a horseshoe or something, you take whatever that skill stat is. So, like horseshoes would probably be something like dexterity. Divide your stat by five. Your by five, <laughs> and then add a d six percentage points for each point in the skill that you have. So, for example, if you had a a fifty dexterity, you divide that by five and get ten for your starter. You put five profession points in it, and then you you get 5d6 extra percent to your chance to make a horseshoe. So it becomes 10 plus 5d6 percent. And then every time you want to add a point to that skill, you spend an XP. And then, and you, then have you have a chance. A chance to get better. So every time you try to spend XP in this game, it's a gamble as to whether or not it'll do anything. And the higher your uh, percent skill in a given uh skill is the lower the chance is that when you spend an XP on it, you'll actually get anything out of it. Also, the less you get out of it. Oh, yeah. Uh, You get 1d6 if it's under 50%, 1d3 if it's under 80%, and 1% if it's over 80%. Yeah, and so at that point, you're also trying to roll over 80%, 80%, and then if you manage to roll over 80%, you get 1%. So you spend one of your blessed XP, of which you're supposed to get between 1 and 4 per session to, uh, to roll a 20% chance to get a 1% better at your 20. 20- and as soon as you do, you're 1% better at, at, I guess, hitting stuff or, or making Whatever. things. But then you're also worse at getting better at it. Yep. So, uh, I guess that's fine. It makes, it <sighs> makes some kind of logical, se- a little bit of logical sense. Like, well, it, it, it makes it, the, the sense of, all right. We want to slow down higher level progression, but they didn't want to change up and have it be variable XP cost. Well, it represents. But at how- the same point, anytime you have a game where you're spending XP and get nothing out of it, that's just a recipe for pissing off your players. Yeah, it absolutely is. That shouldn't be there at all. But, uh, it, I mean, I, I kind of get where they were trying to go. You know, it's, it's like how a black belt can still get better at karate, but you know, they're already a black belt. So it, it's, it's like, uh, Fine tuning is what you get to when you get to those high level. Uh, yeah, but but the end result is just that your players get mad because they aren't allowed to be good at anything. But the the other problem is you can look at it and go, well, yeah, you don't want someone to just immediately jump up to be a hundred percent in something. You go, okay, yes, but it also means at a low level, you're like, all right, well, I'm bad at being a I don't know farrier. I spend some points and I've only got a twenty percent in this. And I rolled a 12. Well, fuck. I spent an XP and I don't even get my low-level thing up. Yeah. And if you got four in a session and managed to roll poorly for all four, then you did nothing. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, Combat in this game is divided up into a shitload of different types of combat skills. Yep, you got the ground combat and rapier combat, but then rapier is divided up into Florentine rapier, rapier with a dagger, rapier with a cloak, rapier with a lantern, two rapiers, and each one of these is its own fighting style with its own set of moves. Oh yeah, if I know how to use one type of rapier and I pick up some other type of rapier, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing anymore. Yeah, and and woe uh, unto you if you attempt to fight a left-handed guy. Oh yeah, no, the whole thing is there are, I think, like five different categories of combat, and within those probably about 20 different subcategories, and each subcategory is its own skill point sink. Mm -hmm. So you can't be like, oh, I can uh, duel with a guy, and then maybe punch a dude, because oh god no, if you are trying to spend your points in anything that isn't whatever your main combat is, you are just Pissing into the wind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no uh, swashbuckling or Errol Flynn stuff in this game. If you it, your Your chance to hit is already super crazy low, and your initiative chance tanks if you're not holding your actual weapon. So you can't fight if you don't have your specific weapon of choice in your hand. I mean, you can, but it's a comedy of dumbass errors. Yeah, and so trying to do anything outside of whatever you use is hilariously difficult, even if it shouldn't be. Like, I know how to use a longsword. I pick up a broadsword. Oh, God, what am I doing? Yeah, and, and, oh, God, there's so many weapons that it's... There are one million weapons. (laughs) And everyone, it's like, oh, there's a -A Scramsiax. What's that? Well, that's kind of like a like a Viking short sword. Oh, okay, that makes sense. No, it's very different from a Gladius. Well, what's that? That's like a Roman short sword. Well, how different is it from a Tonto? Extremely. What about from a regular short sword? Oh, exceptionally. All of these weapons are vastly different. Everything. Everything is. And just to show you how different they are, we've included a picture of literally every single one of them. Not us. The book. The book has a picture of every single weapon. We're not doing that. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Right here, right in the middle of the weapon description section, is, uh... Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, this is a page about gnomes. We're looking at the page for what gnome stats are, and here is a photo of famed porn actress, Mika Tan, uh, photoshopped up so that she's standing in a lake and holding a scepter. Gnomes. Gnomes, ladies and gentlemen. Big boobed women in bras standing in a lake outside of some castle. With a wand type thing. Why is she Asian? The world may never know. Gnomes. Yep, there you go. And so, uh, yeah. The, <laughs> the appendix for weapons, there are 568 different ones, mm-hmm. and it will give you a little picture of each of them. This goes on for 78 pages. Remember how when we used to play 2nd Edition D&D? I I never played with you, but I I know that every single person who ever played 2nd Edition D&D had this story. You would sit there and have that game of seeing how long you could list out the various pole arms against each other. (laughs) You'd be like, Glaive! Glaive guisar, Beck (laughs) de Corbin! A trident! Lucerne Hammer! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so this this has pole arms that go on for like 50 different ones. If you did that in this game, you would just die. Yeah, Mm -hmm. You'd die an old, tired man uh, uh, spouting out... By Dent. <laughs> It's... Okay, I understand you want to have some different weapons. You want to give players the ability to make their character uh, look unique. There's a different feel for if I'm wielding an actual, like, spear versus a trident. That's going to be a different feel for my character. There's something to be said for wanting to play in different centuries. Yeah, and so not only does this have... All of these weapons, but they're all divided up into... Well, this was invented at this point in time, so you could use it then, but not here. So if you're playing in 1175, you can use this. But if you're playing in 1140, then you can't. And then it's got, like, a million different armors and... Every one of them has a picture of some schmo in the armor. Yeah. Note that every single one of the schmoes is a guy. And it's a giant chart because, of course this game has hit locations because it wasn't dumb enough as it was we needed to yeah. add in the random hit location so many table. oh yeah the, the when you roll to damage someone in this game like if you manage to make it through the comedy of errors which is the hit uh, attempt to hit someone if you uh, if you roll to damage someone in this game you start by rolling their hit location then you roll damage number of cuts per wound stun shock blood loss infection. And I think that might be it. I'm pretty sure there are seven different things you have to do when you roll damage on someone. Yeah, and so once you've figured out all of that, you're like, great, all right, you're go. And they're probably like, okay, well, I'm going to try and hit you, and I go through this entire 12-step process to see if I hit you, then a seven-step process to see how much damage I do. That's what an interactive storytelling game is, by the way. 19 steps for two sw- two rounds of combat. Yeah, this isn't a role-playing game. This, this is about the story. This is about the story. Incidentally, roll for shock. <laughs> I'm going to piss on my arrow and make you get infected, yeah. which is a thing. Ugh, yep, yeah. So, uh the, the game claims to be an interactive storytelling game, but it, in, in practice, it's just an overly complicated, worse D&D simulator. Yeah, and oh, which I, I very rarely... We'll say this, but its magic system is straight up also just worse than D&D. Oh, God, yeah. That's It's hard to do that. It's hard to get worse than old Vancian, but this this is it. Because it feels like half the stuff he introduced doesn't work. Well, yeah, because he... We've mentioned the whole no spell levels thing, but it's not just that he abandoned that. It really feels like he abandoned doing spells at all. Oh, yeah. You were saying earlier, it looks like it's his notebook. Yeah, this straight up just looks like he had a notebook full of like, all right, what are my ideas? Uh, I want to have a spell that does this, and a rough idea of what it does is this. And then someone went, hey, dude, you realize we have to go to the publisher tomorrow and we haven't put the spells in? He's like, oh, fuck, just copy everything in this book. Yeah, the number of times there's a spell in the book that has, uh like, enchant bell, and then the description of the spell is, this spell enables the enchanting of magic bells. Ta-da, that's it. That's all you get. Uh, or my, the, my favorite was the one that was a, uh, I, I forget the spell, oh, it was called Honor. Honor was the one that says it takes one day per hour to cast. Yep. Uh Its duration is one week. And then the description is, this causes someone to act honorably for one month. There you go. That, that's it. Okay, whatever. Uh We're on the water page now, which I think the air page was my favorite. But yeah, the, no, no, this is it. Like, we're here. Okay, so you've got things like sheet of ice. Spreads a thick sheet of ice upon the ground, making travel along the sheet hazardous. The sheet of ice may be used to bridge chasms... Etc. mm mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that end in etc. Or, it, or questions. A lot of them actually are just questions. And it, the thing is, it has then no actual mechanical thing. It's just, what is it? Well, travel along a thick sheet of ice would be hazardous. Okay, but what does that mean? Uh, yeah. Okay, keep in mind, this is a game that has like a seven-step process for rolling damage. Don't change this page yet. We're doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, there's also ones like waterproof. It's super cheap. It's just one spell point. You have spell points to cast spells. Takes five seconds to cast. It's used to waterproof an item, which will be resistant to water damage or rust. Not immune, just resistant. Does that mean that there are water damage and rust rules in this game? No. (laughs) However, let me just say this before we get into the rest of the spells. There is a table for weapon breakage. Mm -hmm. And literally any time you swing your weapon, you roll on it. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, if you're using a weapon that isn't, like, mithril or some shit, like, alright, I swing my sword. Well, roll on the table. I got a ten. Your sword breaks. Really? Yep. Yep. Ten percent of the time, just like in the real world, where every tenth swing of a steel sword means it breaks in half. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll just carry multiple. So- no, this game has extremely complicated encumbrance rules. Oh, you fool! You fell into my trap. You have two swords, and now you have a minus five percent to swing your sword because. Oh my God! I will murder everyone. Uh, anyway, yeah. Let's talk about create magic cloud. So this is a a very high level spell like. Most of the low-level ones are going to be like 1 or 5 or spell 10 points, spell yeah. points. Yeah. This one is 50. 50 spell points. It may be that those spell points are supposed to be the level of the spell. Now, the to be fair, the duration is permanent. Okay. You're going permanent. to create a permanent magic cloud. Okay, you get a magic cloud. Now, does this one just say enable the creation of magic clouds like this spell this one? Oh, goodness, no. Oh, boy. This one says, this will create a magic cloud that will be solid enough to walk on. A magic castle will also be created on top of the magic cloud. Wait, so why isn't the spell called create magic castle and also there's a cloud? (laughs) No, man. The whole point is to have a magic cloud. Castles are just sort of there. I feel like you're you're underselling the castle in this situation. Dude, you can walk on a cloud. But it also floats a castle up there. Dude, there are castles all over the place. This is medieval shitting. (laughs) That's true, that's true. You do get a magic... So really, it's it's almost like the cloud, the, the castle's just more like a barnacle. Like, oh yeah, like, oh, you're gonna get some castles. Yeah, you, you know, you get a cloud, you're gonna get some castles. You should have a guy come up and take a look at that. <laughs> you seem to be infected with castles up here. <laughs> now, if you had been better at this, you could have just had a cloud. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the cloud will travel wherever the elementalist desires. The magic cloud will often attract magic creatures, such as Pegasi, cloud giants air or cloud elementals, balloon people and other flying creatures. Okay, what's what are balloon people? Well, obviously they're balloon people. Okay, uh, it, uh, notably it spells balloon wrong. It spells it like balloon This one yeah. there's one L in there. So it so uh, I I thought when I first saw that, well, maybe that's some D&D monster I yeah, never a heard A balloon, of. a balloon, a balloon person, maybe perhaps it's some sort of like like uh ape variant. No, it, it's not a thing. He's, no, you just, just misspelled balloon. He just spelled balloon wrong. Which means it's really just balloon enthusiasts. Yeah, it's just some guy in a hot air balloon shows up and he's like, Oh, good day, sir. I see you have a magic cloud. Shame about the castle, though, eh? Ah, Chester Balloonman's my name. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha I'm a balloon enthusiast, you see. I'm a real balloon person, <laughs> one might say. Me and the boys. <laughs> well, off we go. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, yeah, balloon people. Oh, balloon people. And, of course, there's no bestiary in this book, so there's no chance that you would be able to find out what a balloon person was in this guy's horrible, weird mind. (laughs) Or, for example, what a lycanthrope is, or a vampire, or a ghost, or a witch, or a fairy, all of which are things that are directly mentioned by other spells. There are straight-up spells that will turn you into a vampire or a lycanthrope, and it just says, after 100 days... The subject of this curse will become a vampire. Okay, well, what does that mean? Well, it means you become a vampire. Fuck you. You figure it out. You probably want to buy fantasy, fantasy Imperium's Monster Manual, which God the exists. exists. Who knows? I doubt it. Uh, uh, yeah, and then there's also uh, a, a lot of spells, and, and I found this particularly galling. A lot of the spells in this are either questions for their description or they just end in a dot, dot, dot to let you know how scary that might be. For example, there's one called plant telepathy, which is literally, the the description is, wouldn't it be nice to talk to a plant? Yeah. Who knows what that old tree is thinking? Dot, dot, dot. It's thinking of murder? What? Why, (laughs) Why are you ending it in an ominous ellipse? This is also phase shift. Will temporarily allow a psychic to step into the astral world? Temporarily. Temporarily. He may travel as long as he concentrates, but will not be aware of the physical world and could return in the wrong place, dot, dot, dot. Anytime he wants you to fuck over your players, he adds a dot, dot, dot to the end of that sentence. Like, uh, Gene are difficult to bargain with, though, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, so, considering he already has his entire world set up that... Did you want to learn magic? Okay, well... Everyone hates you and wants to kill you. Yeah, because it's, you're a practitioner of the black arts. It's outlawed by everyone, and if you want to learn it, you've got to find some horrible old necromancer, and the necromancer is just as likely to kill you and use you as components than to teach you anything. Mm-hmm. But if you do learn it, then congratulations, you have been cursed by God forever. Yes, absolutely. The, this game literally tells you that you are wrong if you've practiced these. And, and this is like half the book, is all these spells that you shouldn't cast. Oh yeah, no, if you flip open this book to a random page you have about a 50-50 chance of either getting a picture of some bow or a spell page. Mm-hmm. Because they take up about as much real estate in there, except the book straight up doesn't want you to use magic. Okay, I want to I give you my very favorite spell in the book real quick before we get out of spells. Okay. Um, and it's called spellcasting, and that's a spell. <laughs> and it's for enchanters. And it's uh, it costs whatever the spell you want to cast costs, plus 12 spell points to cast spellcasting. And spellcasting enables a caster to cast a spell at a target. So it's a spell you need to cast to cast a spell you'd like to cast that only enchanters can do. So I don't know if that means everyone else can't cast spells because they can't cast spellcasting to cast the spell they'd like to cast through spellcasting, or if that just means enchanters can cast spells but only if they cast a the first spell to start their spell to cast the other spell. Who knows? I, I don't know. I don't know why it's in there. It sure seems like it's just a note that got left into the game in the game. There's just weird shit in here yeah. throughout the entirety of the magic section. There's also a, a, a fun note that for summon angel, if you use a circle of summoning to bring in an angel, it has a mention of angels are immune to circle of protection spells and circle of binding spells, which is interesting because on the same page is a circle of protection angels. Yep. Yep. Which obviously means you have a circle of protection angels. Yeah, yeah, it's protection angels arranged in a circle. They're not immune to being in a circle. They're just immune to a circle of protections against them. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or I still, I still have no idea what that casting time of like one day per hour is. It's, I, I, yeah, it's, it's so weird because okay, when I first saw that, I was like, okay, it takes one day. Uh, per hour that you want the spell to last. Or one hour per day that you want the spell to last. But that doesn't work, because then they have a second section for durations, and the durations are usually static. The best I can figure is that one, the first number is if you're casting it yourself, and the second number is if you're casting it with a ritual group. Yep. That's, that's the best I can come up with. I also don't know what the C means after some of the spell costs. It, it'll say things like, uh, this spell costs five spell points. This one costs 8c spell points. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Again, just feels like some random crap that got left in there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so you've got all of those. You do have, then, in addition to that, the variant races mm-hmm. are in the book. You can um, play as a centaur or a gnome or an elf. Yeah, and uh, elves are interesting. Uh, most of them are just like, centaur, these are Greek myth. Uh, they are wild and crazy and drunk. And they make alcohol that, that is more addictive than regular alcohol, and they get less skill points because they are wild and crazy. Uh, dwarves, dwarves are stocky, and they live in the, in the, in the mountains, and they cast curses on people that are very strong curses. And they covet gold. And they covet gold, and, and, uh, yeah. But elves are people that chose to wander out of paradise instead of following the same path of, of humility and sin that humans have in the face of God. So, they are creatures that exist outside the religious spectrum, and as such, they suffer penal- penalties to faith and piety. Um, they are not necessarily condemned to hell, but they are also not allowed into heaven. Th- he turned elves into a weird religious thing. Yeah, I'm like, that, that is odd. I don't even know what he's, he would be drawing from for where that. Where he's going with that? Yeah, isn't that weird? It's, I I know, it's like, is it pre uh, pre-New Testament people? Like, is he talking about, like, Anik, who who's it's talking it's about the... Transubstantiated um, the, or, the or virtuous pagans. Ah, it's the something. ones that stay in Hell's Antichamber. <laughs> something. Maybe. I guess if Hell's Antichamber is 11th century Europe, which, well, I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, that's that's all in there. There you go. Yep. Then uh, after... after I, I thought I was going to have to read this book for three more days. Because I finished the end of the spell section and the variant race section. Turned the page and it was just a list of spells by category. I was like, all right, let's go through that. A list of spells, alphabetically. Okay. A master list of spells, by number. Okay. Skip through that. So, the same list of spells two or three times. Then, a list of weapons, by century. Yeah, so the book is about, uh, like, 400 some odd pages. like 430. And I would say, at least, half of that is just charts and lists. And and a lot of... and, And lest you think that most of these lists and charts have anything to do with the game... Don't, don't worry. There's plenty that don't. There are five pages of single type chart that are just lists of medieval food. Oh, yeah. And does, does food give you a particular bonus or penalty? Nope. It's just perhaps you'd like to know that, for example, that you could purchase nahoni, which is some kind of grits dish, for <laughs> five coppers. Oh, good. That's great. I'm glad I knew that. Yeah. yeah it, there's so much of that. Like, it's vaguely interesting, sure. Like, if I wanted to read about cool medieval food, but the problem is, if I wanted to read about cool medieval food, I wouldn't want to read it in a line-item list that's that's five pages long that's in a role-playing game. Yeah. You know, uh most of these fantasy-type games would be like, all right, the average cost to buy a meal that's bad is this, that's decent as this, and that's good as this. Yeah, Just and they've they abstracted it to the point where it's done for, like, the day or the week, where they're yeah. like, oh, yeah, if you want to eat like a king for a week, it costs you five gold crowns. Yeah, great, okay, wonderful. But this is straight-up, like, well, what did you order? Here's your menu. Mm-hmm. How much money do you spend? Yeah. Do you buy the extra good grits? Parsnips, you say? Are they stuffed? Perhaps with sumac? <laughs> yeah the the whole thing is this whole book is oddly specific and yet completely lacking in real specificity. Mm-hmm. It's it's so odd that you have so many things that are like. Ah, yes, well, of course I'll have to give you 12 million pages about every minute detail here, and then no information on what that means! Yeah, it's really weird. Like, the combat system is unbelievably complicated for a game where nothing else is. Yeah. Oh, uh, we didn't even talk about how the initiative system works. There's penalties and and bonuses to your initiative. You roll a d10, and then you, uh, you add your initiative bonuses or penalties, and then you act once. Each person acts once. If someone swings at you, you can default to parry when it's your turn to do something. Yeah, so you would... If someone attacked you, you would say, Alright, well, my turn for the round, I'm just going to be dodging. Yes. So then, when it comes around to your turn to act, you would have already said you were dodging, so you wouldn't do anything. You would just continue to dodge. Yes, and then you roll initiative again. Yep. That's it. There you go. Okay, so, uh... You want to talk about favorites and least favorite things in... in Uh, I suppose... Yeah, alright. Um okay. S- so what would you say is your very favorite thing in Fantasy Imperium? Uh, uh, uh yeah, This game is not of a favorite thing and it does it's it, just it, it, honestly I I'm like, okay, my favorite thing is maybe maybe the okay, no, I do. I do have something. The fact that you have to have an inner need and a character flaw, that's actually a good idea. Mm -hmm. The fact that every character is like, I have a driving goal and something that conflicts with that goal so that I have character development baked into a character. Okay, great idea. This is the one thing I can think of in this book that was actually a good idea. When I read Cinnabar, I thought to myself, this is a book written by someone who didn't read the previous page and had no plan for what's on the next page. Until I got all the way through it, and then I could kind of see, like I was looking at an Elder Scroll. I <laughs> yeah, could kind of see the stall. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, oh my God!" It all connects in stupid little ways. <laughs> it all makes sense I, now. He's not mad. He's not a madman. He's just mad genius. Raven CS McCracken. He's hyper sane. Yeah, no, that's sometimes I see in the fifth dimension. <laughs> that's 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 him. This book is literally written by someone who had no idea what the next page was going to be. He had a lot of plans for what the next page was going to be, but they never come to fruition. Yeah. And so, so, uh, that, so your favorite thing in this book then? Oh, this is my problem. My favorite thing in this book is the spell list because it's so bad and I love reading it and being like, oh my god, that doesn't work. Wait, no, that, wait, hang on. You didn't, you didn't finish reading this before you wrote, before you wrote it. Oh yeah. No, I, I mean, I love the spells for how bad they are with yeah. their like one sentence, vague description of what happens. Yeah. You create magic wells. Not bells, wells. that Bells is a different spell. Yeah. You can create a magic well. What's a magic well? It's a well that, it's, oh, it's, magic. Magic. it's it's magic It's got magic Magic to it it's yeah, magic it's, well It's a magic well Like what, does that mean It produces water forever Or, or It's a magic you, you want to Produce magic What do you want me To hand hold you In the bathroom too Come on now <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it just makes magic wells You know what a magic well is Come on Jesus Well haven't you had Any education Yeah so. How are you even Reading this book <laughs> So my favorite thing in this book is finding the bad shit about this book. It was it was an amusing read. Just be like, that doesn't fucking work. And I feel bad because that means my favorite thing is a bad thing. So I'm also gonna say, um, so the your least favorite thing in the book then? Oh no, I want to I want to have a legitimate favorite thing and not say that my favorite thing is that the book is terrible because that's <laughs> well no you that's say your favorite out. thing is the spells because that shit is le- legitimately hilarious. Fair enough. I'll go ahead and stick with that. Let's stick to the program then. What's your least favorite thing about this book? Least favorite thing about this book, uh, do I want to go with, well, let's, let's go with the, the horrible religious aspect of it. Okay. In the fact that it takes religion and boils it down to percentages and hate of anything that isn't that religion. Yes. Which, I mean, okay, sure, fine, you're trying to do... <laughs> a religion that's representative of the old medieval school of thought where you straight up had the crusades and shit like that. All right, great. But you're still as the author writing it to be in that tone which sort of gives your I give a seal of approval to hating everything. Yeah, okay. He's writing about medieval Europe and also a little bit of medieval Asia. So there's he mentions the Moors, he mentions Turkey, he mentions Spain. And so on, and, and what that means is that there are a bunch more religions that he's he's got to be talking about, and he isn't. I mean, Greece and Rome are still big parts of this too, which means that all of their religions are also there. So the whole time you read through this religious section, that oh, all these spells work, but the god hates them, and these spells work, but gods like them is like oh, and then he, he, there's only one school of magic that's okay for yeah, priest. There, to... there are priest spells, and that's it. And then it mentions that certain priest spells are also pagan spells. And pagans only have spells that are that are answered by false gods and and fallen angels, which okay, still you're talking about about Spain in the 13th century. It was full of Jews. <laughs> they were there. They were real. They were. They, what were they doing? Were they just casting spells and they didn't work? Because if you make if you make your game under the the uh, concept that magic works and you can tell magic works and that means God's real because God provides magic. That we've we've had this discussion yeah. before, that as soon as you, you put real gods into the world, yep, it messes up the, your whole concept. Of, oh, no, it's exactly like fantasy Italy, except that God is real and everyone knows. Well, yeah, but now you don't have faith. Like, you shouldn't even have a faith score, like we had mentioned with the Dark Earth thing, because there's no such concept as faith if you know for sure I straight up prayed to God and then it happened. I know God exists. Right, and then uh, visiting North African Muslims would be like, wow, these guys' spells all work, and it's because of this God? Well, I'm going to convert, because if I don't, I'm a fucking idiot. Oh, yeah. So it it doesn't work. He broke his conceit. I hate that shit. So, sorry, you didn't ask, but that's yeah. my least favorite thing. There you go. Oh Well, well I, I don't want to give short shrift to this game's rampant, annoying sexism. So Yeah, there is also that. C- can we throw that in as well? And well, just that was say- my other option, was either yeah. the religious or the sexist stuff. <laughs> no game should have variant stat lines for men and women. Uh this not game, to mention the full on everything is cheesecake forever in here. Yeah. It's like, oh my Christ. Yeah, men are men are knights, women are in push-up bras every single time. Oh yeah. No, there is there is no picture of them even trying to be like, oh well, here's a warrior woman. No, if a woman shows up in this book, she is there as a sex object. Yeah. She's usually an enchantress or something, and a lot of them are wearing super midriffy outfits. Um and, uh, there's, there's a great example of an opportunity they had to put in some decent looking women. Like, as opposed to hot looking women. I, what, what I mean is there are about 150 pages in the back of this book that are just armor. Every page is its own page of armor, like lamellar armor, scale armor. Yeah, there's and, a drawing of a dude wearing that armor. Heavy composite plate, which means there's a hundred pictures of dudes in the back of this book. And then one picture of an elf and one picture of a dwarf at the end of the list. Uh, no one is a woman. Yep. Not one of them. Not a goddamned one. He could have, instead of drawing the same guy a hundred times, he could have drawn a a woman warrior and made a little push towards being a little friendly. No, he didn't. Nope. All women living in medieval times are hot because they've re-rolled their their appearance score. Yeah, they have a bonus to being hot and they get to re-roll, so every single person is hot that's a lady. Yeah, so they just wander around being buxom. Fuck you. Fuck you, book. Yeah. Would you play this? No, no, oh, God, no! Why would why would anyone want to play this? There is a reason that there were like four copies of this at the local store. <laughs> yeah, what, what what was it going for? What did we get this? And the thing is, it was going for like eighteen dollars because it's hardbound because it's a hardback book and it's huge. Yeah, and so people are mistaken into thinking, oh, there must have been a lot of stuff in this. Well, no, no, there isn't. It's just a huge book that sucks. Right. So, would you play Fantasy Imperium? Nope, not even a joke about it. Yeah, I wouldn't play this game. I wouldn't wish this game on another person. It 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 shouldn't be played. It shouldn't be existing. Yeah, I'm. I've never seen in the back of the book there are little ads for like get our DM guide, and I've never seen that. And I have to assume that. He put this book out, and everyone immediately told him to go fuck himself when he wanted to put out another. If all was right with the world, this book would have come out, and anyone would have read it and be like, No, 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 this is terrible. This is deeply anti-religious. Never again. You're a horrible bigot and a terrible person, and you shouldn't write books. (laughs) Unfortunately, that's not the world of nerds. There's some nerds out there playing this game religiously and be like, Yep, yep, that's what women are like. Yep, there's some dude out there wearing a fedora, playing his knight, and going... Why don't m'lady like me? Right. That's exactly what you've got here. This is a Renaissance Fair Simulator designed by a horrible sexist. The end. Hooray! Okay. Anything else you'd like to contribute? No, I think that pretty jolly well covers how awful this book is. Mm-hmm. I would only ha- have an endorsement for Chester Balloonman. <laughs> oh, Chester Balloonman, you are definitely going to be in an- another game. Chester Balloonman's going to be the Tree Demon's new boyfriend. <laughs> I whisked him away from Cinnabar! <laughs> 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 well, I guess this is better than living by that wall guarding a secret door forever. <laughs> anyway, uh, this has been System Mastery. Uh, as always, you can find us at SystemMasteryPodcast.com System Mastery on Gmail or Twitter or Facebook. Uh, feel free to leave a comment in the section below if you'd like to tell us what you thought of Fantasy Imperium. Um, if, if you think that we're mean for calling this guy horrible... anything like that you are Marco Bannon oh gosh I hope not we've already heard from several authors about how terrible we are (laughs) Uh, if you're Marco Bannon please do not write to us (laughs) or or at least have someone else read it first and then tell you it's a sexist incomprehensible screed before you try and tell us no it'll be great because Marco Bannon will start off his letter to us with I'm going to tell you exactly how awful you are and then forget about it and not actually write that (laughs) perfectly fair (laughs) alright that's been the podcast thanks very much and have a good day (laughs)